Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Big Vets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! He did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the conference tournament betting preview part one. I'm your host, Stucky, and joining me, as always, is Mike Calabrese and BJ Cunningham. I'm fresh back from Aruba, ready to go. I'm feeling great. Mike might take my job. <laughs> Posted big bets on campus in place of me on Saturday. Thank you for that, Mike. And best bets go 8-0. Well done. How's it going, Mike? I mean, it's easy when you're fading Florida without Castleton and Gonzaga. I just, of course, regret that it wasn't a slam spot for me. I, I just had a regular amount of units on it. But even though just as a pure gambler, me eight no on best bets, we did a great job. I'm still pissed about the Arkansas game. I get exactly what I wanted. Alabama makes three three pointers. Nick Smith Jr. goes off for twenty plus, and somehow they still don't win that game because I, I want to say they missed seven or eight straight foul shots. In the second half, a bunch of front ends as well. They end up losing by a single possession. So that one burned me because I I think I was on the right side. But Alabama, they're playing with fire. Not a great thing to be doing headed into conference tournament week. Yeah, well done. And it's, you know, some of these, it's it's amazing how much more efficient the college basketball betting market is each passing week. It's just, it's stunning for me to watch. Like that Gonzaga slam spot, you know, that line gets up to six as, you know, couple of years ago that's four three and a half uh iowa i thought we were gonna get like three three and a half four it's at six five and a half thoughts and prayers to anybody no. who had both you no know, listen both <laughs> on saturday and sunday saturday and sunday if you had michigan state plus five and a half lose in overtime on a i'll, I'll let you talk about that comeback in a sec bj on one of the craziest comebacks of all time and then you have Wisconsin on Sunday, plus five and a half. And Hunter Dickinson, first one of your best players, goes out for the game. But then injury, Hunter Dickinson hits, you know, a bomb three to force overtime, and Michigan wins by eight. The Big Ten home court advantage voodoo continues. But what an amazing comeback by Iowa, who looked dead in the water. And Michigan State was hitting every free throw, which makes the comeback even more amazing because – they just missed the one, the one free throw, which is they almost got to the end with Iowa hitting just three after three after three. And we called it. We said Iowa's due to just eventually. Now, it took forever. And Michigan State made every single three. It took forever. But Iowa's threes finally started falling. And all it took was one Michigan State uh, missed free throw. And Iowa takes advantage. BJ, where were you watching that? And how did you, did you, you basically had to give up on it, right? At some point. 
Yeah, it, no, it's funny, you know, in life with a kid now, it's like, all right, if a game is over, I kind of got to like go away from the TV and start like helping out and everything like that with my wife. And I was, I was kind of stepping away for a little bit, but I always had my phone like there and I was just like, okay, like we're, we're getting beat, whatever. Like, and then I was like, wait, it's starting to get a little for the final minute when it got to 96 to 92 with 30 seconds left, I was like, all right. And I just pulled it up on my phone and I was just kind of watching it. And yeah, it was berserk. I would made five threes in the final minute of the game. Is <laughs> insane. Insane. Um, and yeah, like you said, Michigan State made pretty much every free throw. It, you know, in the final minute, they missed just two of their free throws, and Iowa just made every single shot. And of course, when you get to overtime, that's exactly uh, you know it's what's going to happen from there. But yeah, just unbelievable comeback from the Hawkeyes. I mean, I'm as a fan, I'm probably going to bet on them to win the Big Ten tournament. But if they're a long shot. If they're hitting threes, they got a shot to win the Big Ten tournament, just like they did last year. From a yeah, strategy perspective, BJ, just real quick to jump in, because obviously yeah. this is important not only to you, but also to our audience, because you want to make sure that you're putting yourself in a situation to win. When you are trying to watch those games with a kid and a wife, knowing yeah. that you want to watch it, are you more of the school, like, let me take the garbage out, walk it to the end of the driveway, go slow? Are you hunkering down in the bathroom and trying to you know, eat up as much bathroom time as you can, just watching the last 30 seconds can turn into 10 minutes, drop of a hat, no problem with reviews and timeouts. So what, yeah, what you do there? it's, it's usually a bathroom for me. It's usually, you know, I got to take a dump. So, you know, you go in there and, you know, I've already established with my wife and it's like a 20 minute session every time for me at this point. So it just gives me that extra time in the bathroom. Um, you know, as Stucky said, we're not a safe driving uh, podcast. So Sometimes it'll be, you know, oh, I got to go to the grocery store to grab this for dinner, you know, and then the, the phone comes out. So, yeah, it's you find any little way you can uh, to watch it without your wife absolutely hating you, um, which eventually ends up happening, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, it's uh, what a wild comeback that was. And yeah, I, I just have no words for that. Just, just absolutely insane from the Hawkeyes. As a kid, I remember this is going to date me a little bit but i had game gear so there's game boy and then game gear was like the sega version it was in color and i had this thing that you put in the game slot called tv tuner and it would have the bunny ears to come out and you can get like three or four channels and at the time i would watch like college football games and stuff like that like in my room on it and i always had this dream that i could be in the bathroom i could be at the grocery store <laughs> i didn't know i'd be running away from my family actively but yeah right. it's a great time to be alive you can catch essentially all the action right. and everything exactly all right, let's let's get into well, let's kind of map out what this episode and the next couple of weeks are going to look like. We're going to preview every conference tournament, and there's they're actually starting. There's one that starts today. We're going to talk about that in just a second. We'll recap the week that was. If you have any rants, go ahead. I need just one thing you took away from the weekend, then we'll get right into it. We have four conference tournaments that are going to start over the next two days. We'll talk about all four from a futures perspective, and. Then, you know, midweek on Wednesday, you have the three-man weave. We're going to pick up the midweek episode. They'll talk about the conference rooms that are going to start Wednesday and Thursday, give out some plays. We'll, and we'll talk about tonight if we have a, a play that we want to mention. Then, you know, Friday, we'll do our normal weekend preview. We'll mention some spots that we like, but we'll also talk about a couple of the conference tournaments that start and then repeat that process. Then next week, there's going to be a ton of a ton of conference rooms that start. So we're going to break up all those episodes. I'll host them all on Sunday. It's a crazy day for me. I have to, I do like 10 hours of podcasting. Everyone will take a conference and we'll do we'll put out a bunch of episodes to cover all the conference tournaments. So more on that later in the week for the exact details. But 
for now, we're going to cover the four conference tournaments to start in the next two days. But first, weekend takeaways, any rants? Um, I'll say, you know, I'll, look, Kentucky looked really good against Auburn. They're 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 dangerous. They have a lot of talent. They're starting to figure out their rotation. I was really impressed with what I saw from them, and they might be getting hot at the right time. Um, and rant. Uh, I had a bad, I'll rant on myself. I had a bad number on, I had a bet some early. I was out on Friday night. I took New Mexico plus two and I pushed on the San Diego state shot, which sucked. But other than that, it was a small winning weekend. Oh, Fresno state, by the way, I hate Fresno state. I had them against Nevada, Nevada again. They are covering, you know, in, in the last minute, they miss every shot again. And then they're down four. I have them plus three and a half. They're down four with the 12 seconds to go. They don't, they decide not to foul. Like, come on. Like, I have, and the amount of underdogs that I have that are, that foul down nine with like three seconds and they don't foul down four to give me another shot at a, uh, a three. So that was annoying, but uh, it's all, uh, it's all good vibes from here on out. Indiana, huge win. That was one of the biggest wins of the weekend. But Shafina was amazing. Purdue's kind of trending down. I think Indiana is trending up, happy with that future. And at Creighton with a concerning loss on the road to Villanova. But Villanova will be an interesting potential long shot. We'll talk about them. They, they get a lot of respect in the market, so I'm not sure if they'll have any value. But uh, another interesting weekend of parity across college basketball. Mike, let me throw it to you. Any rants or takeaways from the weekend that you want to mention? I just regret that I didn't take Nova to upset Creighton because I talked about it so much in the opposite direction when they went out to Omaha and brought up the historical data on their their rivalry, their series. The home team always wins in that series. Um, but in terms of another takeaway, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Kansas. I think we all agree we wrote off Kansas a little too soon, but we also wrote off Tennessee. And I think for good reason in terms of actually winning the national championship. I am this close to writing off Arizona to win it all. This trip to L.A. where they play USC and UCLA in, I think it's a Thursday, Saturday, or Thursday, Sunday, back-to-back. This is it. This is prove-it-to-me time because you lay an egg you know, on the farm playing against Stanford, which was an awful loss. It was really a head-scratcher. But then to come back at home against Arizona State, I understand that they make this a half-quarter to win the game. But even the fact that they were in it the whole way – I just don't think they have the killer instinct. I don't think they have the guard play. They're they're not getting better on the perimeter. And as good as Tubelis and Balo are inside the arc, I just don't see this team making a deep run. And I, I think it's it's worth mentioning. It's like, when has Arizona really put it together in March Madness this century? So at this point, unless they go in and beat the doors off of USC and then win convincingly against UCLA, I'm out on Arizona to win it all. Yeah, I don't trust their guards either. Uh, by the way, amazing shot by Blackshear. Off the wrong foot. But if you're Arizona, you got to miss that second free throw. There was like one and a half, what was there, one, one and a half seconds left? And you miss the first, right? If you make the first, you may try to make the second. But once you miss the first, they're not getting a two, right? right. So it doesn't like, matter, yeah. They, if they get a rebound there, then you're chucking it 90 feet with one arm and it's not going in. Instead, you get a running start from Blackshear. Obviously, it was a miraculous shot. But that thing looked pure from, I was watching it live and I was like, whoa, this thing's, you know, you, you have a split second in your brain, but I was like, this thing was heat-seeking, and it so pure. What an amazing shot. A March shot, a pre-March March shot What a for what a huge win for Arizona State. But I agree with you. The guards for Arizona, I don't trust them to make a, a deep run and win six games. BJ, anything, any key takeaways from the weekend other than what a win for Iowa? Yeah, I mean, obviously, what a great win for Iowa. But, you know, 
I was very impressed with UCLA. Like that was a very tough back-to-back. I understand Utah had didn't have two of their best players, but going back-to-back in the altitude trip and getting two wins there, I mean, they are getting dangerously close to the one line here with Purdue falling to Indiana. So I'm starting to ask myself, is UCLA the best team in the country with the off the court stuff going on with Alabama kind of obviously Houston's still really good, but they haven't been tested in a really long time. So I'm starting to ask myself, does Mick Cronin have a chance at at winning the national title here and being uh, on the one line. And as far as a rant, um, I mean, we say this every single year and it just comes up, but stop fouling when you're down eight or nine with under 30 seconds left, you're not coming back. Texas and Baylor under 149. (laughs) Again, this is another situation where I was watching on my phone while driving. Um, but Baylor was up eight or up nine with 45 seconds left. Texas hits a three. They foul. Baylor then goes up 10. Texas hits another three to go down seven. So I'm like, oh, gosh, here we go. They foul him. Baylor misses the first or makes the first and misses the second. And then Texas misses the three-pointer. There's 20 seconds left. And they're down eight. Just let it go. Just let it go. It's over. But no, they foul. Then Baylor makes one of two. So it's like, okay, well, at least I'm still pushing here. Texas comes down. They turn the ball over with 11 seconds left. And then they still foul Baylor again. And so Baylor goes line, makes two, and Texas makes layup. And you have your over. Stop fouling down (laughs) when you're not coming back over two possessions and under 30 seconds left. Please, for the love of God, it ruins everything. So that's my one big rant of the week. I'll go in and piggyback on that UCLA point that you just made, by the way. Colorado, one of the best uh, two-point defenses in the Pac-12. So it wasn't a great matchup and situationally, Mm -hmm. certainly not a good matchup for UCLA. Not only did they get the win, but they shot one for 14 from three. And this is someone we'll talk about more as we get towards March Madness. Can you win without making threes in modern college basketball? UCLA, obviously they can, but I think that just proves it that, you know, some people may look at it as always a bad shooting night and they flirted with being upset. I look at it from a positive standpoint, seeing that they don't need those balls to drop. And if they do, if they do hit those trays, I think they're going to be borderline unbeatable, particularly if they end up on the one line. Yeah. The mid range mystics. Yeah. They got two, the great coach, two seniors who've been to a final four before they look like they're definitely going to be a tough out come tournament time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, let's move on. Let's just move right into the conference tournaments. Um, Let's start with the Atlantic Sun. The Atlantic Sun, 10 of the top 14 teams qualified. It starts tonight, then it'll resume tomorrow, and then Thursday. And then Sunday will be the championship. The games are played at the higher seeds. They do reseed before the semifinals. Liberty is the favorite. Uh, Minus 230-ish. My Chirot's what it's worth around minus 200, so I don't see any value in Liberty. Although they're clearly the best team in the conference, very well coached with their pack line defense. Darius McGee is a flamethrower and go for 40 or 50 any any night. But the reason they're not the one seed is because Kennesaw State beat them. They have the tiebreaker. Kennesaw State's plus 300. I make them around plus 370. 
amazing, amazing season for Kennesaw State and Abdul Rahim, who's turned around that program from, I think, two wins a couple years ago in his first season. Why that's important, why Kennesaw State's the one seed, because if Bellarmine or Queens wins this, they're not eligible, the dumbest rule in all of college sports. And that's this is what happened last year. Mm-hmm. Bellarmine won it, and then the Jacksonville State ended up going because they won the regular season. They had a tie, I think they won more games than Liberty. There was two one seeds in, with the divisions, which is different this year. But there's, yeah, Queens and Bellarmine are not eligible. And both, you know, Bellarmine's are their offense is I can't see them really winning it. They're they're the defending champs, but you know, they might play Liberty in the second round. And they upset them last year in the tournament, but then no Penn and they lost Penn and Fleming off last year's team and their offenses is nowhere near as good. And they still can't play defense. Stetson's offense, Queen's offenses are really scary, but n- neither play defense. So interesting tournament. Is Liberty ripe for the picking? Is there a long shot to look at here? BJ, you have the task of looking into the Atlantic sun. Yeah. What do you got? I I'll be honest. I'm not, I mean, there's no way, even with these conference tournaments, there's no way I'm playing anybody, you know, longer than minus 200 to win some of these tournaments, unless it's a very short tournament there at home. And you can see a scenario where they don't have an easy, they have a very easy path and they can eventually get to the final and you can say, all right, they're going to be more than minus 200. So that's the only argument I would make for Liberty here. But again, they're not going to be on their home floor for the, for the title game. So Playing them at minus 230, I agree with you, is is not the play here. I actually do like a long shot, and you can find them at 100 to 1 uh, out there. Queens, they're not going to be able to make the NSA tournament. But if you look at you know shot quality, Queens is third in adjusted efficiency in the A-Sun, and they're graded as the best three-point field goal defense in the country in terms of the quality of looks of three-pointers that they allow. But for some reason, teams are just shooting ridiculously hot against them. And this A-Sun... It's a very, very high three-point shooting league. There's a ton of teams that you know have a three-point rate over 40%. They're going to be the nine seed. They're playing on Monday against Florida Gulf Coast. They're an incredibly high-variance team. They're very good in transition. They, you know, Queen shoots a ton of three-pointers, but they're 24th in the country in points per possession allowed in half-court sets. And if you look around the A-Sun with teams like Liberty and Stetson, they tend to play slower and play in the half-court quite a bit. Plus, if they can get by Florida Gulf Coast in this first game, they're going to play Kennesaw State in their in their next matchup. They just beat Kennesaw State at their home floor to, to what was it two weeks ago. And if you look throughout Queen's schedule, they've had a lot of late game variants that's been incredibly unlucky. They went seven and eleven in conference play. Ten of those eleven losses came by ten points or less. So at a hundred to one for what. Shot quality has graded as the third best team in the conference who is incredibly high variance. I love the upside from Queens. I understand they can't make the NCAA tournament, but like you mentioned, Stucky, they're still motivated. If you saw what happened with Bellarmine last year, you cannot tell me those kids did not care about winning their conference tournament. So at hundred to one, I think it's a fantastic price on a team that if they can get hot, has a tremendous offense who has shown that they can upset the top seeds in this tournament or in this conference. So Queens at 100 to one for me is where I'm going with the A Sun. Yeah, I don't hate that. I mean, look, they have two awesome guards in Kenny Dye and HM McHugh are capable of going for 30 plus on any given night. So when you have that, you know, you're, and there is a lot of three point variance, and Queens takes a ton of threes. They play no defense whatsoever. Like they're going to have to win mm-hmm. shootouts. It, the game against Florida Gulf Coast, I think they're what a two, three point favorite. The game they played earlier this year at home, there was like 84 82. Like that, those are the type of games that they play, but you know, and that they, face up against they have the athleticism to go up against Kennesaw State they'll throw a press out there which Kennesaw State has struggled with 
Liberty beat them twice to end the year. Liberty, so Liberty plays a pack line defense, and they have the guards that can get hot from the outside. I, I, I definitely don't hate it. And look, Liberty takes a ton of threes too. They're a top. Mm-hmm. I think they're third nationally in three point attempt. Right? So a lot of variance there. Um, so yeah, I don't hate Queens being this year's Bowman because I don't think Bowman has a shot this year with their offense. So um, yeah, I don't hate it. I don't see any value in the top two seeds here. So if you want to take a long shot. I think Queens is the way to go with that backcourt. Let's transition to the Patriot League. I know you're excited, Mike, to talk the Patriot League. This starts Tuesday, tomorrow, February 28th. Then Thursday, March 2nd. Then Sunday, March 5th is the semis. Then Wednesday, March 8th. A lot of breaks in between here, unlike some other conferences. Every game will be played at the higher seeds. Colgate, back-to-back champions are minus 220-ish. This has been a chalky, chalky conference tournament historically i think the first tournament was in 1991 the top two seeds have won it in 29 of 32 seasons the only exceptions were 2020 boston was the three seed covid year 2016 or 2015 lafayette was the four seed the only like crazy upset was 2016 holy cross is the number nine seed otherwise it's been like top one or two seeds basically every year for 30 years navy two seed plus 270 ish as always, make sure you shop around when you're betting conference tournament odds because you can find quite a bit of difference and you know every cent matters, but you can find plus 300 here, plus 350 there. Make sure you shop around and have a bunch of outs. So Colgate, clearly the favorite. I have them like 85% to make the final, and so it's a pretty easy path for them. Mike, let me throw it to you. I know you dug in to your beloved Patriot League. What do you see in there? Any upsets? Is this Colgate's to lose? Is it lay the chalks and stay away? What do you, what's the breakdown here? This is a coronation for Colgate. You know, at minus 220, I, I think there's still value, shockingly, because they're going to play at home. They're going to ha- not have to play those back-to-back-to-backs like other conference tournaments. They're 117th in Ken Palm overall. The next closest team is Navy at 176th. They're 54th overall in Ken Palm offense, but when you dig into their numbers, they're first nationally in effective field goal percentage at 58%, first in three-point percentage. And then you look at how they perform at home. They're 11-2 and two this year straight up at home, and it's a bad year for them. They're 34-4 and four at home since 2020. Tucker Richardson is somebody who can go off. He gave Syracuse 30, 30 earlier this season in a road upset. All five starters averaged double digits. But really, it comes down to the fact that they've been able to keep one of the best mid-major coaches in all of college basketball in Hamilton, New York. I don't understand how they keep Matt Langle there, but this guy is an absolute offensive genius. He went to the Warden yeah, School of Business. I mean, he went to play to Penn, Penn Business School, like just an incredible coach, three-time Patriot League coach of the year. He's probably going to hit number four this year, perfect system. And then when you look at what they've done against their main competition, they swept Navy, they swept Army, they swept Lehigh. So other than a fluky loss at American where they shot 41%, they've basically been unbeatable in Patriot League play. So when I look down the board, like, there, there's reasons to like Navy. I mean, they started eight and ten straight up, and then they turned it around, went ten and two. They nearly upset Colgate in Naptown, you know, at the end of the season. They're tops in Patriot League play in points per game defense, field goal percentage defense, turnover margin. They're solid. They're an absolute solid team, and they have five seniors in their starting lineup. So you know you're going to get a consistent, strong effort out of the midshipmen. 
but I still think that this number, at least it would have to be four to one or better in my opinion. So plus 270 is a pass for me. I really just don't like Army at 11 to one. Um, in Ken Palm, they're pretty much unimpressive on both ends. And I think that's fair if you watch them play. They can't get offensive boards because their size issues. They turn it over too much. They're 281st from the foul line. So even if you get yourself in kind of a rock fight with Colgate, are you going to win that game at the line? Probably not. Lehigh, I think, you know, they have a lot of issues on the defensive end. I like their backcourt a lot. Higgins Jr., Taylor, and Whitney Sidney. But in general, they just can't shoot other than Higgins Taylor. Both shoot over 40% from three. They got rocked twice by Colgate. This this entire tournament runs through Colgate. So if you have no chance of beating the Red Raiders, why are you even throwing, you know, a long shot at 16 to one? I'll throw out two here if you're interested to maybe recoup some value from a hedge perspective if they can make it to the semis or have a dream run to the finals. American at 80 to one kind of piques my interest. I mean, they beat Colgate once, you know, down in DC and they took them to the wire the other time. They're 357th in pace. So they are going to try to win in a different way from how Colgate wants to play. They have two solid bigs, you know, Matt Rogers and Johnny O'Neill are solid. They can score. They, you know, they really make them efficient. They're 22nd nationally in effective field goal percentage. They're really strong near the basket. 80 to one. I think it's, it's worth a roll of the dice. Then finally I'll, I'll throw a shout out to my Greyhounds 200 to one Loyola Maryland Greyhounds four and one down the stretch straight up. They split with Navy and Lehigh. So there's a chance for them if everything goes right to maybe make a run to the finals. They were within six of Colgate at their place with four to go. And then finally the difference maker has been freshman Dion Perry. This kid is a five foot eight point guard. His minutes have increased as the season's gone on. He's blown up down the stretch in that, you know, last five games, averaging over 20 points per game, just 1.6 turnovers per game and shooting 46% from long range. So a shout out to the star from our lady at Mount Carmel in Baltimore. That's as best as I can do for any team outside of Colgate, trying to throw a little lipstick on this pig. It's going to be the you know, the Raiders taking this all the way to the tournament. If they end up on the 15 line as bracket matrix is predicting, that's bad news for a two seed. I, I think this is a 13 or 14 seed in terms of overall quality, but you know, bracket matrix does a great job aggregating every bracket out there on the internet. They're have very high hit rate on hitting the exact seed. So keep Colgate circled on your bracket when they come out, they could ruin a lot of dreams. Yeah. I mean, look, Colgate is dangerous because they can shoot. I mean, they're number one in the country, three point percentage at close to 41%. They run, run wonderful offense. So their defense, they're not going to get many stops. Uh, they're good on the defensive glass, but they they're hot from three. They can give someone trouble. I'm, I'm going to make a case for Navy and not because not to bet them as a future. I don't think there's any value in the number at a plus two seventy. I agree. I would need like four or five, five to one to bet them because I think if you go money line rollover projected spreads here, if Colgate gets to the final, a money line rollover, you're looking at and to keep this in mind. If you want to do this, Matt, sometimes there's more value in the potential money line rollover than the actual future and it gives you flexibility now there could be a big upset and then that, that's why you wouldn't want to do it but if colgate gets to the final you're looking at five six to one on a navy money line rollover if not if colgate somehow gets upset then you're looking at like plus 250 so like why take plus 270 and uh one of you mentioned navy seniors and th these seniors have gone zero and seven against navy i loved navy on Saturday, unfortunately, their captain and one of their starters was out at Yoder, and he's important for 40% three-point shooter 
kind of the glue guy, team captain. He was ruled out. He like banged up his shoulder at the end of the previous game. I don't know if he's going to play. So I would wait on Navy. And then if you want, like do a money line roller, if you like Navy, because, but, I, but I personally would just say, wait to see if Yoder plays. And then you could take Navy to beat Colgate. If it gets there, like you're not going to get that far off of a price than their future uh, from a money line perspective. And then you'll see if Yoder is healthy because Navy since you mentioned how improved they were. And I, I mentioned this in the podcast last week, they, you know, they lost, to Holy Cross, then they beat them by 18. They lost to Lehigh, then they beat them by 12. They lost to Lafayette, then beat them by 19. Lost to Loyola Maryland, beat them by 12. Lost to American, beat them by 16. Why? Their defense has improved astronomically. Since January 15th, they're a top 25 defense adjusted for opponent nationally. Up to that point, they were outside the top 300. You're talking about a defense adjusted for opponent that went from outside the top 300 to inside the top 25. I think they're like 25th. Um, so their defense has been amazing. They've improved significantly. They have all this senior leadership. And even without Yoder, they got down big against Colgate. And they almost came back, had a shot to tire win late and just couldn't get there. So yeah, if you like Navy, I'm, I think Navy's going to get to the final, but if Yoder is not healthy and here's the thing why I also don't like the future with Navy is because higher seeds host. So if they get to the final, you're talking about two home games. Navy has the, I, I have them with the lowest home court advantage in all of college basketball. So like, it's not a huge deal to like, they get up, they, they, they're better off on the road. Like there's just no home court advantage for them. So like they get two home games, who cares? It's the Patriot league, like home court Colgate is a pretty good home court advantage, but some of these other play like Navy has, you know, Bucknell used to have it for when they were really good, but you know, Navy has no home court advantage. So that I like them if they get to the final Yoder's healthy and you can maybe take a stab there. But they're them playing at home, and you know the, the the way they want to play, they could easily get upset, like they did when they were one seed a couple of years ago. So look out for Navy in that defense, which is playing amazing. But keep your eye on Yoder. I don't see any value in it. If you want to back the mids, go money line rollover, or just wait because I do think Colgate's going to get to the final, and then we'll see if Navy can get their revenge, like they have against every other team that they lost to early in the season. As a reminder, before we go any further, college basketball season is in full swing. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, good stuff on the Patriot League. Let's move to the 
We want to go Fun Belt. Let's go Sun Belt, BJ. Bring you in here. All tournament games here are played in Pensacola, Florida. Starts Tuesday, resumes Thursday, then Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Top four seeds get double buys into the quarters at Southern Miss, JMU, Louisiana, and Marshall. BJ, what do you see here from a value perspective? It's going to be tough for these lower seeds that would have to win Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday in Pensacola. What's the read here? Yeah, I think that – so I'm going to be playing two futures, and I think it's a way to at least get a 4-1 to one shot into the championship game where you can hedge, and it's going to be James Madison at 4-1 to one and Southern Miss at plus 470. So James Madison, I think, is the best team in this conference, even though they're sitting at the – the four seed, they're the number one team in the conference in shot selection, open three-point rate, second in points possession and rim and three-point shots. They also get to the free throw line at an incredibly high rate. And most importantly, they're the number one defense in the conference, or excuse me, the number one offense in the conference in points per possession and half-court sets. They went 12-6 and six in conference play. Only one of those losses was by 10 points or less. Defensive side of the ball, they're a top 100 adjusted uh, defensive efficiency team, top 25 in turnover rate, number one team in the conference in defending and transition. They'll likely be playing Troy in their first matchup if Troy uh, gets by Coastal Carolina or Arkansas State. It's a really good matchup for them because Troy turns the ball over a ton. They shoot a ton of threes, and they're only shooting around 31% from behind the arc. And then... It'll likely be either Southern Miss or Southern Alabama. Now, the Southern Miss case is very interesting. They went on a nine-game win streak during Sun Belt play, so they're the number one seed. But I think why you're seeing them at plus 470 is because they just lost by 31 to South Alabama uh, two weeks ago at South Alabama and had their worst shooting game of the season. So the price for me is a little whack. I mean, if you look at shot quality and Ken Palm, Southern Miss is still second in this conference in adjusted efficiency differential. They're a very well-rounded offense that doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. And the defensive side of ball, they're very good, but they have this one main weakness is they're a really, really bad defensive rebounding team. Well, if you look at the conference, the top five offensive rebounding teams are on the other side of the bracket. So they're not going to face a team that's going to exploit that weakness. Southern Miss also 27th in the nation in points for possession allowed at the rim. They're 17th in forcing teams into bad shot selection, 21st in open three-point rate allowed. So if they can get by South Alabama, which I believe they can, it's a good revenge spot for them, and they play James Madison in the, in the semis, I think you can get a four-to-one shot into the final, which actually has a good opportunity against Marshall and Louisiana, who, uh, you know, I, I know Marshall's uh, been your bogey team this year, Stucky, but they've obviously run pretty well. I think that's how I'm going to play this and potentially set up a good hedge spot, because even if one of those two teams gets to the final, I don't see a scenario where they're going to be more than a, a two or three point underdog against Marshall, against Marshall or Louisiana. So it's important to shop around here because some prices are out of whack. The best price you can find on James Madison right now is four to one. And the best price you can find on Southern Miss is plus 470. So I think that's how I'm going to play the fun belt. Well, I'm going to make good stuff there. I'm going to make a case. I agree on Marshall. I finally got him with Old Dominion on Friday. The Thundering Herd, I mean, they, they'll, they'll throw in, what, three Yeah, three games in three days? You know, they're, they get a double bye, but they have no depth. Late in the season, three games in three days. Their backcourt's excellent. They'd like to get on transition. They have to, they'll probably have to face Old Dominion potentially first, too. It's not a great matchup. Old Dominion to just beat them, slow the game down, keep them out of transition. They're great against pick and roll. I'm going to make a case for South Alabama. Since look, they coming into the season, they were bottom 20 in minutes continuity per Kempom. They a lot of 
brand new pieces. Richie Riley, I have a lot of respect for. Took him some time, even though you saw the potential early in the season. This is a team that played Bama tough, lost by 10. They went to New Mexico, lost by six, went to Oklahoma, lost by four. This is in their first four games. And they kind of lost the plot. They're trying to you know, figure out, especially on the defensive end. And then they really turned it on. They're number one in momentum metric per Haslam metrics in the country. They were blowing teams out down the stretch. They lost their finale. But they have a lot of they're, – they're playing with a ton of confidence right now. And since January 1st, they're number 73 nationally in adjusted efficiency and the second-best team in the conference. The only team better since January 1st, Louisiana, barely. They're at 67. Pre-January 1st, South Alabama was 185th and the seventh-best team in the conference. So it makes sense. Richie Riley, great coach, really started to figure out that defense. And they actually finished number one in effective field goal percentage on both offense and defense in league play. And, look, they swept JMU. They went 7-3 and three against the seeds in the top half. And one of the losses was a bad loss to Coastal, who's probably out in the first round. So, yeah, I think, look, they have an excellent transition D, great pick-and-roll defense, which is key if they get to Marshall in the final. And Marshall, I, they don't have any depth, but Southern Miss doesn't have any depth either. That's the one thing that I'm really worried. I mean, excuse me, South Alabama doesn't have any depth either. They're bottom 20. Isaiah Moore just plays a ton of minutes. He's a stud. He's going to have to be big here. So if they get to the final, which is really when you would worry about their legs, you know, maybe they're matched up against Marshall. Marshall doesn't have any legs either. So they have to win one extra game here, which makes it tough. You can find a 10-1. to 1. I think South Alabama has all the momentum and like the, just the improvement – I don't think is necessarily being priced into the market, but the path definitely won't be easy. But the fun belt, worth a shot. I'm going to go with Jags. Mike, you got anything on the fun belt? I like Dantoni in, in general. I, I like the program he runs. I like the system. When they made their run to the tournament, I, I'm trying to remember who they upset in March Madness. Um, but they were a four seed in that Conference USA tournament before winning the automatic bid. So he's not someone who necessarily goes wire to wire in the regular season. It's a team that can get hot. I love their guard play, Taylor and Kinsey. Um, I agree with your your notes on their overall depth and how that impacts them in the conference tournament uh, bracket layout, the way that they have it, playing those back-to-back-to-back games. Um, but in general, I, I think Marshall would probably be my play here out of the Sun Belt. Yeah, they beat... Uh... Wichita State in 2019. That was uh, Elmore, West. I love that team. They were fun. And then they lost to, I think they played West Virginia in the second round, which is a, then they got blown out, but with a fun interstate um, rivalry. All right, let's go into our final conference tournament of the episode. Let's talk some Horizon. Now, we mentioned earlier that the Patriot League has been historically very very chalky since the its inception in 1991 not the case with the horizon league horizon league has seen quite a bit of chaos and just when i think of horizon league, i think of crazy games crazy endings there always seems to just be awesome games and just must see tv i think like last year or two years ago like the horizon tournament was the best conference tournament like just every game there was like triple overtime double overtime all 11 teams make it top five seeds get a bye this starts tuesday resumes thursday then monday tuesday First round of quarters are at the higher seeds. Then we're on to Indianapolis for the semis and finals. E Mike, what do you see here in the horizon? Expect more chaos? Yeah, you teed this up properly. If you're looking for a wacky conference tournament, this is the one. I'll start at the top. 
you know, I basically called my shot in January. I thought that Youngstown was going to win this thing. They were going to win the regular season. They were going to win the automatic bid. It's going to be hard because defensively, they're 267th in Ken Palm's uh, adjusted defensive metric. But offensively, this team can really cook. 82 points per game. They got four starters averaging over 13 points per game. They're one of, I want to say, six teams in the entire country that can claim that. Dwayne Cohill is incredible. 18 and five per game on 46 0.2% shooting from long range as a team they're sixth in shooting efficiency this defense though like beyond just the Ken Palm number when you, you start to really dig into it 310th in opponent shooting percentage Yeesh. so they could win this thing going away they could score 80 90 points in every game and comfortably win they could also lose in their very first game because when you look at how they performed against the top of the horizon league it's wide open they split against milwaukee they split against cleveland state and they split against uh northern kentucky although the, the one loss was an overtime loss that kind of sets the stage for okay this is wide open let's get into who could potentially knock off the penguins before you keep going mike just to set the stage down um Youngstown is the favorite. They're, but I mean, depending on the book, but like plus 175 ish. Then you have Northern Kentucky, Cleveland State next, four to one. Wright State next, six, seven to one. Then Milwaukee, 10 to one. Detroit, 18 to one. And then you're kind of down into some longer shots, but go ahead. Yeah. So you're going to want to shop around for the best number. It's as, you know, low as plus 330 on Cleveland State and Northern Kentucky as high as, you know, four to one. So you want to make sure you get the best there. Neither of these teams wow you, Cleveland State or Northern Kentucky, on the offensive end. Cleveland State, awful from long range, which doesn't sound great if you get in a shootout with Youngstown State. They rely a ton on Tristan Inaruna. He's a really strong big for the Netherlands. He's averaging 15 and almost seven rebounds per game. As a team, they're far and away the best offensive rebounding team in the horizon, which is critical because not being able to pump in shots from three-point range, you want to get second-chance opportunities They've played really well. You know, Inaruna and the Vikings in general played great down the stretch, six and one straight up with wins over Youngstown and Northern Kentucky. So of this two pack, the Vikings and the Norse, I'm going to go with the Vikings here. Northern Kentucky, they, they concerned me a little bit. They were, in my opinion, leaking oil down the stretch. Their last four games against quality Horizon League opponents, they lost. Most of those were on the road. Marquez Warwick has been special, but I think he's just a step behind, you know, the Trey Calvins and Cohills of this conference. Um, you know, in, in terms of his overall shooting, he's over 40%, three points, averaging 19 points per game. But I still don't think he quite has that killer instinct to put the entire team on his back. The one thing that is good about Northern Kentucky from a game to game basis is they have one of the highest turnover rates in the nation. They really make it difficult on you, and they play at one of the slowest tempos. So those turnovers are just more valuable for a team like they are. They get killed on the offensive glass, though, and from play out of zone. Yeah, so they're deep in the 300s in both of those metrics. Um, you mentioned it, Milwaukee. Even though they're the two seed in this tournament, they're 10 to one to win it. And I think it's pretty simple. The advanced metrics hate this team. They're 232nd in Kempom offense, 229th in defense. They get also get killed on the offensive glass. They turn it over way, way too much. 357th nationally. That, to me, is enough for it to be a pass. I know that B.J. Freeman's their go-to guy, um, but he's been disappointing down the stretch in losses to Youngstown and Robert Morris, both road blowouts. So not in on the Panthers, going to pass there. Let's get into the long shots that I love. Wright State, plus 750. You can get them out there in the market. And Detroit Mercy, 18-1. to 1. Let's start with Detroit Mercy at 18-1. to 1. It's no surprise they do it all on the offensive end. They got a one-two punch with Antoine Davis, the three-point king of college basketball, and Jared Liddell. Liddell is a 15-10 and 10 big, which is great for them. It gives them a little inside-outside balance. 
They're 53rd in adjusted offense efficiency by Ken Palm. And I'll just do the quick whisper, 347th in defense. So yes, they could shoot their way past just about anybody in this tournament. They're sixth in three-point shooting percentage nationally. But then you look on the other side, 345th in three-point percentage defense. Could they beat Youngstown if they got to a meeting with them? Absolutely. They lost by five. They just got to win a shootout. You gotta win like, yeah. They got to win like 90 to 87. Exactly. They lost by five at home, 84-79. It was a two-point game with 20 seconds left. So, yes, it's possible. They could also lose in the first round by 20 points. I wouldn't bat an eye. Wright State, I like a little bit better. This is my true long shot that I'm going to end up playing in this conference tournament. They got Trey Calvin. They got a chance. The guys flirted with a 90-50-40 line all season long. Incredible shooter. He scored 44 in a triple overtime loss at Youngstown. You know, they got wins over Milwaukee. They got a blowout win over Northern Kentucky. But here's the key for me. They're second in the conference in road record straight up at seven and seven. So their their team basketball travels is not just Trey Calvin show. They can do this if everything breaks right. I think the price is just about right. I'd love to get it at eight to one if I could, but anything north of plus seven fifty, I think is interesting. They're not great defensively, but they can rebound on the defensive end. You know, a team rebounding element I think helps them. So in a conference that, to your point, historically has been wide open, you should have at least one long shot chambered. I'm going to go with the Raiders here. I don't even think you realize you said during your your push that if everything breaks right and the price is right for right state. Uh, I don't know if you caught that, but I, I'm going to go with Detroit here. I'm. This is, it's all about chaos. Why not back Antoine Davis, who is... 63 points away from being the NCAA all-time scoring leader. 63 points away for Pete Maravich. 18 to 1. I think that's the best. I got to shop around and see before I lock this in. But I know that there's an 18 to 1 out there. And they, so let's look at their path, right? And you mentioned it. They're kind of like Youngstown light. You have Mm -hmm. like Cohill. But their offense is, this is a top 80 offense. No defense. Sort of like Youngstown State. Youngstown State just like a step above. But you mentioned it. They could they could beat Youngstown in a, just a complete shootout. Just two teams that play no defense. It'll be, look like an NBA game. It'll be a regular season game. But they first get Fort Wayne, who they swept during the regular season. And then we get Youngstown, who I think that they could win in a shootout. You're talking about an 18-to-1 shot. Then you're in Indy. And then you're either going to get Oakland or Northern Kentucky, two teams that play a ton of zone, zone-heavy defenses. And Detroit's zone offense is elite. 90th percentile per synergy. You have Antoine Davis, who could go for, you know, 50 seriously 50 against the zone and then who are you going to face in the final like milwaukee uh, milwaukee I, I have i have detroit power rated ahead of milwaukee i would have them favored in that game cleveland state be close to a pick for me so right state i agree scary there's a reason why despite the ranking but yeah then, then you're in the final like the path isn't that bad now they could lose in the first round easily easily defense doesn't show up davis is an off day but they're 18 to 1 in the chaos conference Give me, give me Detroit. I'm riding with Davis one last time. All right. Uh, yeah, you got to have fun in the horizon. You got to take a shot in the horizon. And hopefully if Davis wins, if they beat Fort Wayne and then you get Youngstown in an absolute shootout, I think he'll break. He's six. It'll be close if they don't beat Youngstown. So what, he's 63 away. Yeah, it's going to be close. He'll be close. I, I mean, he's going to take, if he plays those two games, he's going to take 45 shots. So. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you have every close. opportunity to go past. Yeah, he's not going to get it in the first game if they lose, but there's a chance he gets it in two. And yeah, that Youngstown-Detroit game would be uh, must-see TV. 
total. Yes. I don't know what 168, something like that. I'm going over, just auto over on that one. There is, yeah, there's now like they could come out. You could now the thing is with Detroit and the thing with Youngstown too is like their defense is bad. They don't really play any defense. So maybe like just effort wise, their defense gets a little better because the offense is there. So yeah, maybe there's some upside for both of those teams there. But I just don't see there's any value with Youngstown. But I think that there might be given the price and you have the best player in the conference. Um, so yeah, give me Detroit there. All right, good stuff. Going through the four conference tournaments at best time of the year. The madness is here, but we have one final task at hand for today. And that's tonight's card. BJ, let me throw it to you. What do you have circled for tonight? I'm going to go the Baylor, Oklahoma State under at 141 and a half. Keontae George is out for this game, which is a big loss for Baylor considering he's averaging 17 points, but he's also taking 30% of their shots when he's on the floor. And the thing about Baylor is they have tremendous scores all over the world. They're number one in shot quality, shot making metric, but they're 274th in the country in terms of shot selection. So losing one of your best shot makers when you're already not getting consistent shot, good shots, it's it's it becomes a problem. The other problem he's is also a good facilitator, too. Very, right, very, exactly. Very good. Baylor person. is a very high frequency pick and roll team. Everything starts with George at the top through their pick and roll. Oklahoma State, very good at defending pick and roll, 62nd nationally in points per possession allowed. The previous meeting, they held Baylor, they held Baylor to just 0.91 points per possession on pick and roll sets. Baylor, they're also shooting the lights out from, from beyond the Arkham Conference by 37.5%. Oklahoma State, number one team in the conference, open three-point rate allowed. The flip side is Oklahoma State's offense has been pretty lackluster this season. They're ninth in the Big 12 in adjusted offensive efficiency. They're only shooting 31% from behind the Arkham Conference play, and that's where 40% of their field goal attempts come from. So Baylor's only allowing 31% from beyond the arc. They're eighth in the country in points per possession allowed in half-court sets, and Baylor does tend to play a slower pace, ninth in adjusted tempo. Oklahoma State is sixth. So with George being out, with with everything running through him in their offense, I like the value in under 141 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to, just to piggyback off that, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State, catching one and a half, two. I think you might be able to find out there. I doubt that lasts long. But look, this Baylor team is going to be dangerous in March because of their guards, and you know, the three-headed monster. But George is out for this game. But you look at what they've done on the road, right? They they lost by double digits to Kansas State. They lost by double digits to Kansas. They beat TCU in a game that TCU was severely shorthanded and had a chance to still win that game. Before then, you know, they lost by, to Texas. They beat Oklahoma by two in a game they were trailing late. You know, they lost to – they got blown out by Iowa State. They came back to beat West Virginia in a game they were trailing late. They got blown out by Marquette on the road. Like, that's their entire body of work on the road this year. And why have they struggled on the road? Their defense. Their defense, is there's a lot of holes, especially at the rim, and that's where Oklahoma State has – this is a just a complete buy-low spot. Now, look, they might need to win. Don't use that as a reason to bet a team in college basketball. A lot of times, it could, you see this in NFL, college football, that could work against you too. And usually it's it's priced into the market. But I think that this is the bottom point in Oklahoma State. I thought it was a great spot for them on Saturday. Still would bet it again. If you look at any analytical site, they graded that as an Oklahoma State win. They've gone 7 of 42 the past two games from three. They're not a great three-point shooting team, but they're not 16%. They've had a lot of open looks that they just missed. They do miss a Avery Anderson. He's their best, probably their best on-ball defender. He can create his own shot. So they're going to have to get everything at the rim now. They're due to hit some threes, which they probably will tonight. They also have an elite pick-and-roll defense, as you mentioned, which is huge against Baylor. 
but they they're they're gonna be able to get to the rim here and they're gonna be able to get offensive rebounds and putbacks against this Baylor weak rim defense. So I think that they're gonna get some easy buckets. The defense shows up here. So I, I like Oklahoma State catching points at home here after losing four straight. They watch that the three point variance, I think, do to break their way tonight. So give me the pokes. Uh speaking of pokes, I I played Wyoming plus six. I would not if follow me if I were you because they never cover and I always bet them because my numbers show value and Nevada Nevada just covers every game somehow I also like Montana State against Eastern Washington his winning streak finally came to an end on Saturday they have everything locked up already Montana State I think is the best team in that conference they're now fully healthy I think they get that win tonight those are two other ones I throw out Mike let me throw it to you what do you got for Monday night I just got one I'll keep it simple Florida Gulf Coast Andy Enfield is not walking through that door um They've been awful down the stretch in the A-Sun. They've lost eight of their last 11 straight up in conference play. Fighting against a Queens team that I think is going to make noise in this conference tournament. The fact that they're only laying a point and a half. It's kind of a weird um, situational play because they're playing at Kennesaw, you know, a neutral floor within the conference. But the last time Queens took the floor at Kennesaw, they upset the Owls. So I'm going to go ahead with the much better backcourt. I love Kenny Dye. I love A.J. McKee. These guys could go for 60 total in this game. I think that they have a future in this tournament. I think FGCU is looking to shut it down. So the fact is, if it's below a single possession in terms of the spread, I would go ahead and hammer this one on the Royals. Yeah, did I have that wrong for the – I had that wrong for the – did I mention earlier for the Atlantic Sun that it's in the higher seeds host, did I say? You may have it set so that it doesn't reset on the highest seeded team. So You know what? I think so that's, gonna get that, it, that is it. So – Queens and Florida Gulf Coast are playing at Kennesaw, and then North Florida and Bellarmine are playing at Liberty. If you look at the bracket, at the semifinals, they reset it, and they say you play at the highest remaining seed. Uh, so if Queens or Florida Gulf Coast wins, they're going to play Kennesaw at Kennesaw. So that's why they're basically just playing at whatever the higher seeds floor is for these first two-round matchups. Um, but the other matchups would be Stetson is going to host Lipscomb, and then Eastern Kentucky is going to host North Alabama. And then after the quarterfinals, then it resets to the highest remaining seed. Bizarre. Right. Um, all right. Good, good, good catch there though. I, I didn't have that down. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that we looked at that, but uh, good stuff all around boys. We will be back later in the week. Hopefully some more winners. Thanks to both of you for joining me as always. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to our audio and video team in the back end. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy, leave a review. Later this week, we're going to pick the best review, whoever leaves the best five-star review, and they're going to join us on our futures portfolio. We're going to split it five ways. I, I, the producers, I told them that he can get in with us. Uh, so the best review, we'll reveal it later on the end of the week episode. But Three Man Weave will be back Wednesday with conference tournament preview and midweek preview. We'll be back for the weekend preview and for conference tournaments starting the weekend. And then, of course, next week we will have you covered for all of the conference tournaments and championship week. More details to come on that later in the week. Thanks for listening. Good luck on all of your wagers. And we will catch you all next time. Cheers. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.